Welcome to the PMC Podcast, brought to you by Rachel Weber Bookkeeping, Neps Country Corner, Zach Screamery, Montgomery Welding, and all others who have donated to our ministry. Myself and my co-host, Nate Raber, hope you enjoy our episode today as we dive into biblical truths, talk to brothers and sisters in the faith, and explore what God is doing in the lives of his people. We pray today that God would be glorified. All right, welcome to the PMC Podcast. I'm Josh Fortune once again joined here by my co-host, Nate Raber, on a beautiful Friday morning here at Providence. Can't say beautiful now, Nate, but... Cold is coming. It is. It's it's fall time. Love fall weather. Mm. You don't? It's okay. Prefer summer? More of a summer guy, yeah. See, I like fall. I like a little little sweatshirt type weather, but yeah. well, it, it doesn't last very long. When That's the problem. When it starts, when fall hits, there's just... If you could have fall, like, for two months. Yeah. That'd, that'd be three that'd be months. Fine. That'd be fine. Three months. Sure. But, but fall, fall for... <laughs> fall for, like, three weeks, and all of a sudden it's... A week and a half, and then, yeah, it's, it's a frost warning. Yes. That's typically what happens. Every time fall comes around, it's just, it's just that threat of winter, and I do not like winter. Not a big fan. No, me neither. I'm not a, not a fan of winter being cold all the time, and yeah. I think our, I think our audience would agree with us. <sighs> I would hope so. There are some crazy people that like, like the cold, like winter. My wife just prefers that it. Snow on Christmas, and then that's it. I don't even want snow on Christmas. Oh, you don't? Checks white Christmas. No, I, I would rather have a 70-degree Christmas. Like a couple years ago when we had like, it was like 65 on Christmas Eve. I don't know that? what day. Yeah. Or Thanksgiving a couple years ago. I went golfing. Did you really? Mm-hmm. There was a uh, Christmas that we were, we were, when you go back and look at our videos, we got open the little Jeep that, since we moved, we had never put. Charge the battery on that little, you know, little electric Jeep we mm-hmm. got. So he's starting to ride that now and finally can actually know how to drive it. And, uh, but there's a, we got him for, for Christmas and there's a video of on Christmas morning, his, he's driving it in our driveway. Like, so it was that warm on Christmas morning. Like he just had his pajamas on driving yeah. it around. That would the, be, that would be my, driveway. my ideal Christmas. Really? Mm-hmm. See, my wife would like a little, some snow, not enough to like, you know, snow you in, but no, just a little. No snow. Dusty. Ever. Wow. I guess, you know, what we would consider snow down here, you wouldn't consider snow, but <laughs> we'll get into that topic again. Us weaklings here down south. Yeah, the old the old blizzard of seventy four. You guys never had one of those before. That was a slow Tuesday for you guys up yeah. there. Yeah. Everyone's school. Nice. All right. Well, we are I was told by my wife to not um, talk about fantasy football. Yeah, I know. I talked to her. Oh, you did? We picked up the boys yesterday. She said, I said, just, Rach, I tell people all the time, just don't listen the first five minutes. Just fast forward. Yeah, just fast forward and then dive in. So, yeah. But I was going to say, we're getting a little bit later start here today, but our audience doesn't care. (laughs) (laughs) I always forget that we're not live. Live. But we don't have kids today at school, so it's just a work day for the teachers. What am I Drinking out of WRV boys basket. I didn't even see that on the other side. Go Wolverines. Wolverine pride. Okay. Hey. Interesting. Yeah, well, it's it's like the it's the only cup I could find. Yeah. 
Well, Nate and I always bring, we rotate who brings coffee. And when I bring coffee, I just bring these nice little disposable cups. Oh, well, when I bring coffee, I bring, yeah. I'm so rich, I have disposable yeah. cups. That's what I use every day. Ooh. And Nate uh, brings some, always some random thermos <laughs> mug thing all the time. You never know which one you're going to get. Well, that, he keeps the nice one for himself, and then I get some random one that's just sitting here. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. Sorry. I mean, it's, it's fine. It's sorry. Fine. It's fine. It's fine. Anyways, this morning we are continuing our When I Don't Desire God book, How to Fight for Joy. And uh, Nate, this topic today is one that we have hit on numerous of times, but one that never loses its luster, I guess you could say. And uh, that is to get into the word of God. We've said that a few times on here, I mm-hmm. think. But the title of uh, the chapter that we're going to be going through today and discussing is The Worth of God's Word in the Fight for Joy. Uh, there's always that famous statement, Nate, as your first uh, line there reads, God reveals himself through his word. There's always that famous statement that I've heard from, uh, I can't remember who said it. Oh boy, here we go. One of the reform guys. Oh, I thought you were going to no, get no, I thought you were setting up Alistair. Alistair. No, 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 not Alistair. Not Alistair. Uh, one of the reform guys, and Alistair may have said it before too, I don't know. Uh, but he says, if you want to hear God's word, if you want to hear God speak, read his word. If you want to hear God speak out loud, read his word, read his word out loud. That's basically how God speaks to us today. I should say basically it's how he speaks to us today. We don't have the uh, talking donkeys, the firing bushes, uh, prophets, different things like that. So what we, how we receive God's word today and how God speaks to us is through his word. So in order for us to hear God, we need to make sure that we are in his word and in his word, he reveal himself to us. Mm-hmm. And, and Piper said, this is the, the, the worth of God's word for the fight of joy. Remember this, this book, when I don't desire God, how we're fighting for joy, how we're, how we're, actively a participant in this fight for joy and we've talked about several different ways to fight for joy last week we talked about how to fight for joy as a as a sinner and and to understand that that gutsy guilt that we talked about Mm -hmm. um and just kind of this this idea that joy is a gift from god and and why we need to fight for joy and so i think this is a very very uh applicable way that that if we feel like you know, I don't have joy in my life. I don't. I don't feel that joy for, for God. I don't see, feel that desire um, for God, and I feel like I'm, I'm. God has left me, or I feel like um, I'm far away from God. One of the best ways to to know if that's the case, and and kind of to diagnose that case, is to look at your scripture reading. How much are you reading? Mm-hmm. Right. If you if you feel far away from God. It's not because God has left you. It's probably because you've left God and you, right. know, you have uh, neglected your your reading of Scripture, your prayer, that communion with God. Um, and so there's a reason you feel far away or there's a reason God feels far away from you. It's because you aren't putting in the effort to get get near God. Yeah, and it, it, it one thing I noticed last week when I was doing my sermon on the promises of God, um, one of the things I talked about when, when you have to trust God 
and you know, when you trust God, that's trusting in his promises, but how can you trust someone you don't know? Mm -hmm. And that's the important part is if we find ourselves not trusting God, or we find ourselves in this, in this state of just, uh, of despair and all these different things, it's because we don't really know who he is. Well, the way that we know who he is is by reading his word and finding himself in his word and seeing that being revealed to us. Then as we read his word, Nate, we get to know him more, we begin to trust him more, and then we start to see our life drastically change because we realize that we don't have to worry, we don't have to be anxious, we don't have to be angry or despaired, whatever it may be, because we trust that God has us where he wants us and, and the things that he has for us there. So when we, the worth of God's word in the fight for joy is astronomical mm -hmm. because we need it to be able to have joy. And, you know, Piper brings up different things in there and he talks about how is God seen today? Well, he can and does show his way through us, through other ways than God's word. You know, mm -hmm. he wrote down in there that the actions and the work of believers, we can see God work through us, or at least we should as believers, but even through us that, um, what we see through God is not necessarily the fullness of God mm -hmm. because, you know, we can with our sins and, and the way that we carry ourselves can kind of distort that a little bit, but we can actually see the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God mm -hmm. through us, through his actions, but they don't fully reveal it as much as they, as what the Bible does. And, you know, same as pastors go or podcasts or whatever, mm -hmm. you can hear or see things about God and, and learn about God through those individuals, but it is truly, Nate, through the word that you can fully understand God. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's what we need to be doing, not relying on other things, but exactly. the word. Yep. Um, and so Piper says that this this manifestation of Christ, right, without without the word to guide our understanding, without the word to, to kind of show us and, and allow us to navigate, we wouldn't be able to then see Christ very well um, if we if we don't have the word. Um, and so he, Piper goes through several different reasons why the word is important for our walk as a Christian, why the, why the word is important for our fight for joy. But the first thing that he, he touches on is the, the sin of reluctance to read the Bible. Um, and I just thought this was a very good way to start this chapter is, is to admit that, that sometimes we don't want to read the Bible. And sometimes Absolutely. we are we are lured away from reading the Bible from our, or by um, our phones or by distractions or by our kids or by our schedules. A lot of times we can put that stuff in front of reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that, that that was just a very convicting kind of statement that, that we are lured away. And I, I, I don't know if I've used that word, but it, it feels like that, right? We just, we're enticed away by other stuff mm -hmm. um, when we know that this is the time we should read the Bible uh, or we set it up in the morning or, or whatever. Something else a lot of times is, is, is in the back of our mind enticing us away from what we should be doing. Yeah. And I think that that is a, that's a true fight in anyone's battle. And the thing is, Nate, if anybody, if you would ask anybody, do you think you need to read the Bible? That's a believer. They would say, oh yeah, absolutely. So, you know, kind of make the verse that you have there in Romans 7, 15 to 20. Uh, Paul is telling us here that, you know, he had those same indwelling sin problems that we do when it comes to um, doing things that we want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, he says right there in verse 15, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. 
Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. The famous tongue twister of I do, I do, I do, I do not what I do, all those different things. But in essence there, what Paul is saying, Nate, is, yeah, we may have the desire to do it, but we don't have the ability or the power to carry that out. Mm -hmm. Um, One example that I always try to give people all the time is, you know, people say, well, I'm going to get up early and read the Bible. They have the desire to get up and read the Bible, right? Before their day starts, get up early, get in the word, different things like that. Well, when that alarm clock goes off, your desire to get up and go read the Bible isn't quite what it was at nine o'clock at night Mm -hmm. that it was at six o'clock in the morning. You don't have the ability, the desire. You're not going to naturally crave that. So there's disciplines that I think have to come in there. But at the same point, once you start to get into the word and taste of the word, as we've been talking about, then I think you desire a craving for it. You desire a, um, a time to set aside to get into that. So I think, like you said, the first thing is we must admit that we have a reluctance to actually get into the word. And, and Nate, I can speak personally for myself that this this can be a problem at times. Mm-hmm. So they go through dry spells. Um, and let's admit to Nate, I don't know about you, but I can find myself being and having some free time and being like, oh, okay, I need to, I need to, you know, grow. I need to grow spiritually here. Bust out a book. That's not the Bible. Yeah. Or turn on a podcast <clears throat> or a sermon. You know, instead of actually getting into my word. I do something else. And I think that that's where, you know, we talked about before, but like Keith Meese has told me before that those are condiments to the actual burger or the, the meat that is the word. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to make sure that we're being careful that we don't even neglect to read the Bible because we're listening to sermons or podcasts or reading other books. And I'm speaking to myself here, but making sure that we're actually sitting down and letting the Holy Spirit lead us as we get into the actual word. Yeah, that's a. I think that's a common. Um, I don't know, say trap, but a common thing that that I, I feel a lot of people that that I talk to and a lot of people that I know kind of fall into that. Um, sermon, podcast, book, um, kind of model other than the Bible, um, and it, yeah, it's definitely the case for me that that when I when I have that desire. A lot of times that desires for a book or for a podcast or for a new mm-hmm. you know, series or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that, that was a, the one reason I wanted to, I put that in, want to talk about it is because I was really talking to myself yeah, uh, and reminding myself to that, that reluctance to read the Bible. Um, that's, that's the sin in me, but, but Paul also says in the book of Colossians to put death, therefore what is earthly in you. Right. And yeah. so we have a call and a dis- discipline uh, to put to death those desires for other things and to bring forth uh, those desires for the Bible. Um, and, and one way to, to do that is to remind ourselves of the superior worth of the Bible, right? Correct. If we know the Bible has superior worth, just reminding us that. Mm-hmm. Like last week we talked about preaching the gospel continually, just reminding ourselves the superior worth of, of the Bible over 
whatever distraction is luring us away or enticing us away, uh, that stuff's not going to bring us everlasting and fulfilling joy. It might bring us happiness for a little bit. But the Bible is the only thing that leads us um, to this superior joy that, that Piper's been harping on and, and, and really trying to flesh out this, this last several chapters. Yeah, and I don't think there's a series that we plug more than the series we did on how to eat your Bible by Nate Pickowitz, but mm-hmm. it really is a good, uh, understandable, applicable book that you can put to put to work in your life on how to actually uh, read your Bible mm-hmm. and kind of build up that desire for it. So uh, we did a whole series on that if you want to go through and uh, dive into the archives uh, to... Uh, <laughs> sound, archives. Sound, sound official. Uh, but dive into the archives of finding uh, that series. It's called How to, how to Eat Your Bible uh, by Nate Pickowitz. And we also have, I think, I think we still have a copy of that book if anyone is interested mm-hmm. in reading. So, um, but yeah, so I think that that's important of... Having that desire and then knowing how to do it and understanding, like you said, reminding ourselves of the worth that comes through that because it does lead to superior joy that we need in this life. So, But then you said, Nate, as we go on here, like you mentioned, Piper gives uh, seven different reasons on why uh, the word is important and why it's worth in fighting for joy. And the first one that says there's the word awakens and strengthens our faith. So Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So we can't be brought to the faith by the spirit without the proclamation of Christ in the word. Duh. I mean, it sounds, it sounds simple, but it's truly really the essence of what it is. You come to faith through the hearing of the gospel. Yes, the actions can do all sorts of good things, and we can see God's love, and we can see God's mercy through other people, but Nate, it is in the hearing or the reading of God's word about who Christ was and that gospel that truly changes. That's why we said last week that we have to preach the gospel to ourselves, Mm -hmm. because that gospel is truly what transforms our hearts. Yeah, you're right. It sounds really simple that obviously, you know, we can't if we don't have the, this proclamation of Christ in the word, we can't come to faith, but, but that, that is faith, right? That is Correct. to, to uh, confess with your tongue that, that Jesus was Lord and, and believe in your heart that he was uh, raised from the dead, right? That, that is the essence of faith. And, and so if we don't have the word to understand who Christ is and, and, the, and the word to understand what the, what the gospel is, there's no way to have faith. Um, and so, you know, if, if, for those Christians that, that call themselves or those people that call themselves Christians that don't actively get into the word and, and actively uh, try to understand the promises of God and the things of God, um, it's, it's impossible to know who Christ is and, and what you have faith in if you're not actively in the word, digging in the word, trying to find those promises, trying to find those things, trying to get to know God better. Um, and so, you know, this, this, this oxymoron of a Christian that doesn't read the Bible is, is impossible because if you don't read the Bible, you don't know who your faith is in. Correct. Um, and, and so, you know, if, if you are one of those people and you have that desire to read the Bible, you know, like you said, Pickowitz's book, um, commentaries, just reading the Bible, getting in, setting, yeah. a, setting a, um, a specific time. I'm a big fan of mornings because my kids aren't up yet most of the time mm-hmm. and the distractions aren't there yet. 
Um, but if, but if you're a, if you call yourself a Christian and you don't read the Bible, it's, it's really hard to, to square those two ideas. Absolutely. And one other thing I was going to mention there is just, you know, even other than commentaries, if you just want a Bible, um, yeah. you know, I bought my wife a, a life ESV life application Bible. She, she appreciates that. It helps, you know, don't get caught up in what it just says at the bottom, you know, but it, it's allowing you to apply that word and help you understand it a little bit better. So there's, there's all sorts of options out there that can help with that. Cause I think that's always a thing Nate is, well, I just don't understand what it's saying. Okay. Well, Take time, pray, and the Spirit will reveal that to you. And I think that that allows us to be able to go through. Uh, the next thing he says is, through hearing the word, God supplies the Spirit. The Spirit brings us to faith and then allows a conscious experience of that faith. Being filled with the word and filled with the Spirit are almost at the same since the Spirit comes with joy when the word is embraced. So that's just what we just talked about right there. When you dive into the word, the spirit is the one that guides us through that and allows that word to be placed on our heart and allow us to understand the promises of what God has for us. But then most importantly, Nate, of who Christ is. We can't, rev- we can't understand the essence of the gospel if the spirit has not revealed it to us. Mm-hmm. So we need the spirit because the Spirit's what's ultimately going to bring us to this joy. And how's the Spirit going to do that? Through the reading of God's Word. Mm-hmm. Piper talks about, um, it, um, almost a page, about this this idea here that the Spirit brings us to faith even without our knowledge, right? This, this, yeah. this irresistible grace that the Spirit brings upon us that, that we don't have anything to do with ourselves, right? Correct. We can't conjure up. But the Spirit brings us to faith, and then... The second thing he does is allows us to actually experience that faith, Correct. right? As it's our own and, and when it's our own and, and how we mature in that faith. And so we can't do that without the spirit, either of those, right? We can't, we're not going to be brought to faith without the spirit. Then we're not going to have an opportunity to experience that faith without the the prompting of the spirit and the, and the sanctification of the spirit that we'll talk about later. Um, and yeah, that, that, that second sentence that you read, being filled with the word and filled with the spirit are almost the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, it's kind of convicting for people that, that if you want to be filled with the spirit, if you want to know what God's plan is for your life, if you want to know how God, uh, what decisions you should make in your life, those decisions are going to be prompted by the spirit. Correct. Right. But if we're not filled with the word, we're not going to be filled with the spirit. And so it all goes back to being filled with the word, being filled by the the, the word of, of God, and then the spirit coming in and, and allowing us to understand that and allowing us to embrace that word. Um, and it's just I think I think as Christians we, we we neglect the word, we take it for granted because we have it. Um, but we don't understand the the really foundational truth without the word. One, there's no Christianity. Two, there's no way to know God. And three, there's no way to, to, to understand what is what God is wanting for our lives, what God's Correct. will is for our lives, what we should be doing uh, if we don't have the word that is that is brought up, brought to us by the Spirit. Well, the problem is, Nate, is that I think people aren't, like, if you're going to if you're gonna read the word of God, it's going to take work on your part. Mm-hmm. So then what people are depending on God to do is to just do all the work and his spirit's just going to reveal to us which way it is that we're supposed to go, what we're supposed to do, different things like that. But the, the thing that's interesting to me, Nate, is that the spirit will never contradict the word. 
The spirit will never contradict the word or never go against the word. So it's always going to be in tune with the word and walking right with the word. And the spirit is going to reveal itself to you through the word. So therefore, in essence, they are basically the same thing in our guiding in our lives. So what happens is the spirit reveals things to us as we dive into the word. And then as we're going throughout that life, Nate, the spirit almost kind of gives us that nudging reminder of what the word says. Mm -hmm. And when we understand what the word says, it teaches us how to go. I don't know if I brought this up to you before, but um, it's a movie. You know, it's not a Christian movie by any means, but uh, the book of Eli, have you ever watched that mm -hmm. with uh, Denzel mm -hmm. in the book of Eli? Um, you know, they're, they're trying to find this book this book and this book that like the world has kind of gone awry and kind of washed away and they're trying to get back to civilization and how can they build back to where they were and this guy has what he calls the book and the book is what's going to be able to lead them back to get to where they need to go as a civilization build back everything that they had lost and the book is the key and through this whole thing eli has this book I think it's his name. I don't know. I haven't watched it forever. Denzel, I, I don't his character. Know. Has I don't this, really know what his name is. Yeah. Denzel has this book, and he's trying to walk it across to uh, get it to his printing company or whatever. And uh, the whole time, you don't really know what this book is. And uh, then at the end, uh, Denzel, they take the book, and it's, it's empty. It's just in Braille. Spoiler alert, Denzel's blind the whole time. Which, like, the first half of the movie is <laughs> extremely implausible because he, like, has fight scenes. Yes, so. yes. And you don't realize he's blind until, like, the end. Uh, but then he sits down and to this printing company guy, and he's wanting to print this book. And he said, well, where do you have it? And he goes, up here. He has it on his mind. And he starts off and he says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Basically saying the book that they were trying to build off the whole time was the Bible. And... Yes, it's not a Christian movie, but in that it's a good, it gives a good lesson that civilization, the, the answer in the way is the word. It shows us how to live. It shows us how to do things. Now, it's more than that. It's not just building civilizations, but in the essence, it's showing that it is a book of life. It shows us, and I think that that's true. The, the Bible is truly a guiding path for us. And what's he say? It's a lamp unto my feet, a lamp, a light unto my path is what God's word is. So we dive into that, Nate, and then we see truly which way it is that we're supposed to go. And the spirit leads us along through that. One of the quotes of the bad guys in that movie that, that like, you know, after the second or third time I, I watched it and, and kind of knew what was going on. One of the quotes from the bad guys uh, said something like, you know, if we have this book, we can control people. Correct. Right. If we have this, if we have this book, we can decide what the book says. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was just, it showed one, the power of scripture and the power of, yeah. of the, the Bible. But it also, I think on the other hand, showed the power of being able to twist scripture. The manipulation. Right. Mm -hmm. um, we saw this in the garden, you know, the snake says, did God really say? We see it in churches today. We see it in churches today where that, that, that twisting of scripture just to fit your agenda um, brings people into into quote unquote church brings Correct. people into the uh, the the gathering of the those people um, that come to listen to um, you know a, a quote unquote pastor that's that's preaching and then uses a couple verses here and there to kind of fit his narrative um, but that's a very it's a powerful thing um, that people have been doing for a long time and are still doing and and a lot of times they're their motives are out of usually money. Yeah. Makes them a lot of money. 
um, agenda from book sales and, and all that. And, and yeah, the other one is a, a different type of agenda um, that the book is, you know, that the book t- speaks against. Um, but if you have the scripture, even, even the bad guy in this book and in this movie um, understood the power of scripture. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that was, I need to go watch. He understood, he understood the authority of it. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's where he tries to manipulate it to try to control people. Cause he wants to be the leader. Um, but he knows that if it gets to whatever, then he doesn't have it and he can't make it say what it wants to say. So yeah, I think that's, it's a good movie. A lot of fight scenes. Like I said, I think there's, there's some cussing and there's some gory stuff. So it's not necessarily a Christian movie. I wouldn't be like, Hey, family movie night. No, <laughs> we're, but, we're, I don't think we are endorsing the movie, <laughs> No, but if you do happen to find it on your, on Netflix or something, <laughs> if you're a mature adult believer, you could watch this and not be, <laughs> not be swayed or tempted in any way. But uh, yeah, it is, it is uh, a, a good message. I guess you could say at the, at, in the end, it's got a good idea. I don't know. I don't know. If I not yeah, a, good not a good message, but yeah. There's a there's there's under, good underlining tones. There you go. There you go. We're not gonna we're not gonna preach a sermon about it. So <laughs> so as you move on, uh, the next one is the word creates and sustains life. In Matthew four four, Jesus says, "Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God." Life from the word is firm and lasts forever. It's true. We just talked about it, Nate. That the word of God provides us. Uh, it provides us life. It is truly the essence on which our spiritual life stays nurtured. There you go. Stays. I was going to say neutralized. <laughs> yeah, it stays nurtured through the we- reading of the word. That's how we keep our spiritual bodies alive. And I think that that's important as we look at this, Nate. We've we've talked a lot about. Uh, how the Bible compares the spiritual with the physical and how we are to feed our physical bodies just as we are to feed our spiritual bodies. Well, Mm -hmm. our spiritual selves will become weak and, you know, dissipated if we are not letting that word of God, that bread of life, feed that, strengthen that, and grow that. Our spiritual life becomes weak and eventually dies. So we need to make sure that we're feeding ourselves with the word of God so that we're able to sustain our spiritual life. Mm And all these things that we've talked about are, are truth, and they're they're foundational to Scripture and foundational to Christianity. Um, but if you know, if you're thinking, well, you know, what what is what tangible things does the Word actually do for me, right? What you yeah. know, yes, it gives me you know, the Spirit is supplied, and, and it creates and sustains life. You know, those those are kind of abstract ideas to us. What is something that the Bible? actually does for me right mm-hmm. how, how, how can i actually use this bible and and feel the the what you guys are talking about and and use this bible it's a good point because i think pastors always say like oh this is the book of answers okay yeah. well, where are the answers yeah and so you know what does this bible do for me right how how do i use this how do i apply this to my life so we're going to talk about three things that the bible gives us and the where the first not the worst. The first. <laughs> I hope not the worst. <laughs> the first is the Bible, the word gives us hope. Mm-hmm. Paul says in Romans 15, 4, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of scripture, we might have hope. And Piper has a really good paragraph that I'm going to read here um, that just talks about hope and, and how, the, how the Bible supplies this. He says, one of the things this teaches us is that we have not begun to know all the ways it is possible to get hope. 
we have a very small experience in life compared to God's wisdom. There are a thousand ways that God has designed to give us hope. Most of them we have not even tasted or conceived. Mm. Yet, how often we murmur that the few proven ways we get hope are missing. We do not realize there are ways to get hope that we'd never thought of. How small-minded of us in our hopelessness to look at our closed Bibles and say, what I need is blank, and this is not in the Bible. How do we know we need blank and it and not some <laughs> utterly unexpected hope that the Bible will awaken us mm-hmm. when we read in faith, mm-hmm. right? You know, what I need is a better marriage, and the Bible doesn't talk about that. What I need is a better job, and the Bible doesn't talk about that. Mm-hmm. What I need is better kids, and the Bible doesn't talk about that. Mm-hmm. How small-minded are we to hopelessly look at our closed Bible and say, what I need is blank, and it's not in the Bible? Well, how do we know that we need blank and not some utterly unexpected hope that the Bible will awaken us when we read it in faith? You know, how do we, I, I need a better marriage, but I'm not going to read my Bible. Well, if I do read the Bible with unexpected, uh, with, with faith, I, the spirit is going to supply that hope for my marriage or that hope for a new job or hope for my family's Correct. future. Right. We, we often limit the Bible to, to our experiences and, and, and I've found hope doing this and this and this, and that's the only way that I can find hope. Right, that's the only way that I can feel hope and have hope in my life, and those three ways aren't working, so it's hopeless. Yeah, well, and I think that so let's just use it for example. If you're if you're struggling in your marriage or whatever, and you think that the Bible um, doesn't have any way that it can provide for that, um, first off, how do you know? How do you know that the mar- your marriage is the problem? Here's the thing: you may dive into your you may get into your Bible and you realize that you have a lot of sin problems yourself. That you need to that you need to work with, so us trying to diagnose the problem without even diving into the word is the first problem. Second problem is is we go into we we dive into the word Nate and try to use the word as a quick help or a self help book, and it's not it's not a self help book that the Bible's not going to say. All right, well here's ten ways that you can improve your marriage. It's not gonna it's not gonna be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then thirdly, Nate, we, we can go into our Bible reading trying to figure out how to fix other people mm. and not fix ourselves. And the problem is when we go into the Scripture in any way but to grow in our relationship with God and understand His Son, Christ, more, if we go into the Bible with any other motive, we have to be careful. I'm not saying that our other motives can't drive us into the Word, but I'm telling you, whenever you get into the Word, first off, take time to pray. Take time to pray before you dive in. And then when you dive into the word, you're truly going to see that when you leave that moment, that time that you spend in the word, what you should notice when you read the word is that God is the one that should be glorified and he should be the one that you're looking towards Mm -hmm. and looking forward to knowing more and giving the glory to. Um, But I think that we, 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 we can ask these questions and I think it's okay to ask those questions. How can the Bible help me with this? How can the Bible help me with this? How can the Bible help me with this? But I think we need to take a step back and realize that the Bible is not about you. And when we do that, um, we we truly understand it puts our, it puts our perspective where it needs to be, and that in that is when we truly find hope. Mm-hmm. Is when we truly find hope because now we're not looking at our circumstances, but we have that. Um, oh, Paul Tripp talks about it in his. Uh, 
lead book that the elders are going through right now, um, it, it turns it into a vertical uh, ambition where we're constantly looking vertically to gain more of Christ and look for more of Christ. And when we do that, we're not looking horizontally all the time, mm-hmm. but we're looking vertically. And I think that that's the attitude that we have to have when we dive into the word. The word gives us, gives us hope um, for the circumstances that we, that we can't find any hope in them themselves. Right. Yeah. Um, and if we, if we read the Bible with that, that agenda that, that I'm going to fix my blank and you know, the Bible's going to help me do that. What the Bible's going to do is going to show us your sin, right? Correct. And what the Bible's going to do is show us our selfishness and our pride. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of times that's step number one to, yeah. to alleviate the situations that you feel hopeless uh, is to understand that, that you are also a sinner yeah. in this situation, whatever situation it is. And then step number two is going to show you how to love that person. Well, then step number two in loving that person, as we read in John 15, it says that we are to love that person as Christ loved us. Mm-hmm. So then ultimately, that's going to point us back to the gospel. Okay, well, first I need to understand how Christ loved me. So what I'm saying is every time we go into this, we're not going to go into it just getting an answer just like this that we to our problems. Well, you need to be more this. You need to do this. You need to tangible plans for this. You can set up those plans based on the gospel principles that are laid out. But like you said, we first have to understand our sin, understand that we have a savior for that sin, and then we love people the way that he loves us. But if we don't understand the first two parts, then we're not going to be able to move forward on the other things. Yeah. And every time I, I feel, you know, justified in, in whatever situation I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm right in this mm-hmm. situation. You know, those guys are wrong or that person's wrong or, or I'm getting the shaft. All I have to remind myself is back to last, what we talked about last week is, is, preach the gospel correct right if i preach the gospel myself every day i remind myself that that i am a sinner and and that without the gospel and without the blood of christ i have no hope i have no future mm-hmm. um but because the blood of christ has now covered me and, and deemed me righteous um i have now a future i have hope in my life and then that one makes that that situation seem pretty petty and two if it is a big situation you marriage, kids, job, mm-hmm. relationships, any kind of decision. What you said, the second point is is to show that the love of Christ to that person. Yeah. And it's really hard to stay in an argument and a disagreement for very long if I'm truly showing the love of Christ to that person. Because, one, they're going to think, what in the world's going on? Yesterday you were yelling at me. And, and, and treating me bad and all this. Now you're treating me really nice. Like, what changed? What happened? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so that's going to alleviate the situation most of the time just, just by our actions of treating that person, of, of loving that person like Christ loved, loves, loves them. Well, I heard, a, I heard a pastor this week or last week, one of the two, I can't remember, but he was talking about how... And I wouldn't, I, I disagreed with this completely, but he talked about sometimes when we try to, as pastors or counselors or whatever, we try to address the problem by, um, can every problem be addressed through the gospel? And he said, no, I don't I think what's just too blanket statement. That's just too, you know, this guy said, it's just, it's Who too. Who are you listening to? <laughs> this was a Twitter like little, uh, clip or whatever. Yeah. It may have been from the, that, that Twitter account that we always share with each other about just how awful people are and their, and their church leadership. But um, 
basically you're saying, I think the gospel is too blanket statement. I think it's too broad. Like we need to get down to the specifics. You can, I, I get, I, I understand what he's saying. Mm-hmm. I understand what he's saying. But if we first don't have the gospel, then we can't even get into the specifics of it. But then the specifics are going to be so gospel saturated that if we don't first understand that, then we can't get into the specifics. Mm-hmm. So yes, we can, we can say, well, I need something specific. Like what can I do to help my marriage? First off, you need to understand who your marriage is built on mm-hmm. or if not built on who, who it needs to get right with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where we need to make sure that we're uh, doing. So moving on, uh, the word also leads up to freedom. Uh, John eight thirty two says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Um, freedom of sanctification is essential. This, this, this is, this is so true too, Nate, because I see so many people living in this, bondage, I guess you could say, of their sin, which is not where Christ and God intended us to be at all. But, he, but Piper says here that the guilt of sin would bring down the wrath of God without the gospel promise. So therefore, sin defiles and corrupts, and this is a joy killer. No, nothing is more of a joy killer, Nate, than to think that you are just lost in your sin mm-hmm. or that God is completely just done with you because of your sin. And guess what? If you don't have the gospel promise, if you don't put your faith and trust in God, there is no hope. So there is no joy. But if you have put your faith and trust in God, there's no sin, Nate, that he can't forgive and bring you out of and Mm -hmm. restore you to the place that he wants to bring you. And there's no sin that he hasn't forgiven. Correct, that he hasn't forgiven. Right, and so if we just wallow in that sin and, and, and get bogged down by the sin that we are constantly in, one, we're probably not in the Word. Correct. Um, and two, we don't understand what what Christ did on the cross. We don't understand grace. We don't understand grace. Um, and so, you know, if, if you are, if you, if that's just describes you, and you're just kind of in a rut with the same sin and same sin, and you can't get out of it, and it just feels like it's it's controlling your life. One, get in the Word. Yeah. Um, remind yourselves of the gospel. Remind yourselves of those principles and those promises that God has given us in the in the Word. And two, remember what Christ did on the cross. Remember the sanctification, Correct. right? We are deemed righteous. Christ, yes. God does not see us as sinners anymore. Yeah. We still struggle with sin. We still have that sin that's going to creep up once in a while. And that sin that's going to, that's going to entangle us. Um, you know, like we read, read from Paul, we, we do what we don't want to do and we do what we don't do, what we don't want to do and do, yeah. right? That's going to happen yeah. because of our human nature. But if we just get, get bogged down to that and, and, and focus on just how that sin is getting us and, and controlling us. There's no joy in that. Correct. Um, and there's no freedom in that. And there's that line I think that we've talked about because we've talked about that you have to recognize your sin. Like that, that is true. You have to come to a point of recognizing your sin in order to, that's the first step towards repentance is you have to recognize, but too many times they, either people don't recognize it and they just keep doing it mm-hmm. or they recognize it and they just stay there. Oh yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm just that's who I, can't, I am. Can't, can't get over. That's just who I am. It's like, no, that's not who you are. There's grace for that, and grace is such a simple concept, but such a such a uh, complicated one as well. Um, it's one of the things that I'm trying to emphasize with my son right now is grace. So anytime we pray, I thank God for the grace that He shows us new each morning, and then at the end, I try to I say. We ask all these things in your son's in, in Jesus' name who died on the cross for our sins. Because what I notice in Oakland right now is every time he does something, 90% of the time, it's 
he accidentally hurts his brother or purposely hurts his brother because he's taking his toy, whatever. And then Cam will cry and I'll say, hey, whoa, 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 what happened? I'm sorry. I didn't know. I, I didn't mean to do it. And like he just starts like and then he wallers forever because he's like, no, I, 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 I did this. I'm not supposed to. I'm like, buddy, you're forgiven. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that it reminds me of how adults are sometimes, Nate, is that we can commit a sin and then we just, whoa, what was me? I, I did this. Like you committed the sin, recognize it, repent from it. It's forgiven. Move on. We're not meant to just be carrying these weights all the time around our back of the sin that's weighing us down. Mm-hmm. There's freedom that we have to live our lives. And I think that that's important that we continue on doing that. But it only happens when we understand grace. How do you understand grace? Reading the, reading the word of God. He talks about grace a lot. We see God show grace from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We see God show grace. Understand he is a grace-giving God. Mm-hmm. We might just have to put this episode on repeat for like next <laughs> right. seven weeks. <laughs> The last thing that God, that the word gives us is warnings, right? And, and I think that's, that's something that we often either forget, neglect, kind of pass over because we don't like warnings. We want to do what we want to, we want to do what, what we want to do. Um, but Piper says we are blind to the future. We don't know what the future is going to hold. Um, but if we would heed the warnings in scripture, our lives would go much better. Correct. Right. And, and he says the Bible is full of life giving, joy giving, uh, warnings. How many people uh, would would have a better life if they heed the warning free from sexual immorality? Yeah. Uh, how many people with lung cancer would have been spared by heeding the word, the warning not to be enslaved by anything? How many people would not be in prison if they heeded the warning, you shall not murder or shall not steal or shall not bear false witness? How many have ruined lives by neglecting the crystal clear warning? Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. It is through the cravings that some have wandered away from the fears, from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Mm-hmm. How merciful are the warnings of the word of God. They're the source of untold joy for those who see in them the good heart of the good physician. He knows the prevention and remedy for every sorrow. Does your desire grow deeper and last longer than the world can offer? Then go to the word of God and get good warnings. Warnings are, are not seen as a good thing, right? We don't want to be told what we can't do. Correct. But how much joy, much more joy would we have if we would heed those warnings and we would, would take those warnings seriously because God, as a sovereign God is all-knowing, knows the outcome Correct. of bad decisions. Correct. And so he's warning us, don't do these bad decisions because the outcome is not good. Yeah. Right? And so... If we would just heed these warnings, um, how much more joy would we have in our lives? How much more joy would mm-hmm. we have in Christ? How much more joy would we have in our sanctification and our salvation if we would just heed the warnings, those crucial warnings of Scripture? Eric Miller painted a perfect picture of that two weeks ago when he preached on Hebrews 6 mm-hmm. about um, falling away from the faith and talking about becoming apostate. And uh, the analogy that he used I thought was that was perfect. You know, when you get pulled over by a police officer and he comes to the car and takes your license, everything, and he comes back and he gives you a warning rather than a ticket, there's joy, right? Mm -hmm. There should be because the punishment was not given, but there was a warning that, Hey, if you do this again, you know, you're, you're going to get pulled over and you're probably going to get a ticket. So you receive a warning, Nate, and there's joy in that warning. There's mercy. And there's mercy in that warning because you were not given punishment right away. 
it's the same thing in scripture. So like two weeks ago when Eric talked about that uneasy passage that we read in Hebrews 6 about how it's uneasy, it, it's easy to fall away from the faith if we don't put our trust in the promises of God. Basically, you know, we can go to church, we can do all these other things, but if we're not fully trusting in God and the promises that he's given us, then we're not saved. And yeah, that's a hard thing to hear, but Nate, imagine if we didn't have that warning and we just continue to live our life like that. And then at the end, it was like, eh, you didn't trust me. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I never knew you. But there's warnings. There's warnings given to us, like you said, and, and, and it's the joy. Imagine if we would heed to those warnings, the joy that we would find instead of just doing what we do. Mm-hmm. So make sure that we understand those hard passages in Scripture, those warnings that God gives us, because to be honest, Nate, What's it say in scripture? He is patient with us. He is patient with us to understand until he's patient with us until the end of the time, whenever he comes. So his patience towards us comes in those warnings. Mm -hmm. He has every right to strike us right here and there in our sin, but he's patient with us and warns us, hey, don't do that. Fiber finishes up and says the word of God is the source of our joy and our everlasting joy. And he uses several different scriptures, and I pulled two from Psalms 119. Read Psalms 119. Mm. Listen to David just talk about how the word of God is. I, I, I want to get to that point where I love the word of God as much as David does in Psalm 119. He says in Psalm 119.72, The law of your mouth is better to me than a thousand gold, a thousands of gold or silver pieces. pieces. In verse 97, he says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation mm-hmm. all the day, right? This from David's heart and David's mouth is, is just this overflowing of, of joy and contentment and peace and, and love for the law and for the word of God. And you're exactly right. This should be our aim every day is to get a, just an inch closer to this, yeah. to this joy that we find in the word. Um, and as we know, David's not wasn't perfect, right? He made he made a lot of bad decisions, mm-hmm. but that didn't stop him from from loving correct the law the the law and the word of God. So I I never forget one morning I was still living over here in the parsonage, and it was a Sunday. I was going to preach, I think, and I was getting ready in my bathroom, and I had the Dwell app going, and uh, it was on Psalm one nineteen, and it was David just going on and on and on and on about how he loves the law. He loves the law, loves the word. You know, that the law word, same thing. He's, he's loving the word of God, loving the word of God, loving the word of God. And it almost was to the point, it's like, dude, get a room. You know what I mean? Like, it was like <laughs> he loves it so much. He loves it so much that he's enamored by it. And I remember, Nate, just listening to that and then coming up here to preach, it was like, man, do I love the word mm-hmm. that much? Mm-hmm. And the joy that comes in David's voice because of the word that he has loved so deeply, that God has brought him through so many different things to, up until this point. He has truly looked at everything that we've talked about here, Nate. He's understood how the word, uh, he understands how the word has awakened him. He understands how through the hearing of God's word, it supplies his spirit. He understands that the word creates and sustains life. He understands that the word gives hope. He has. He understands the word gives him freedom. He understands the crucial warnings that are given in the words. He has witnessed, seen, and experienced God's grace and love and mercy through God's word, and that's why he loves it the way he does. So we can't experience this love that David has for the word in Psalm 119 until we truly get into the word and allow it to uh, just saturate our lives. So I think that it, that's what a good 
point to leave us with today is understanding that God's word does provide us everlasting joy and it should be what we taste and see and see that it is good and desire and crave it in every day, every aspect of our lives. Until next time, I'm Josh Schwartz with Nate Raber. God bless.